welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And today we have a very special guest, one of my really close friends, and also probably and arguably the best Yu-Gi-Oh! player of all time, Patrick Hoban. Uh, Patrick Hoban is here. Uh, This is something that I've tried to have lined up for a while now, and we finally got it in before the end of the year. I'm really excited for this because this guy literally has changed Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, has tons of accolades. He's a national champion, has won two YCS, one of them going undefeated in Swiss, um, has innovated so many decks, come up with so many strategies, changed the way people think, also wrote a fucking book on how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! But not only that, just how to think correctly and to dispel mm. a lot of ways that people think about situations. Literally, what I would consider the GOAT or one of the GOATs in this game and just in general Patrick Hoban, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> Brazier stole the only piece of trivia I know. I was going to bring that up. I was going to sneak that in there so everybody would be like, holy shit, I don't know Kenny knew anything about Patrick Hoban. I was going to be like, hey, Patrick, I heard you wrote a book in 2016 called Road of the King. And then everybody's going to be like, oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, how are you doing, Pat? How, how's life? Everything's good. Yeah. Um, I just started uh, actually playing Yu Gi Oh again probably four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been. I was out of the game for like more than four years. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's good to start getting back in, seeing everybody. How do you feel about the game now? Because a lot has changed since you last played. I believe Link Monsters were not even a thing when you played last, probably. So they were new. Um, the la- I think like my last two tops were with the like first Link Monsters okay. that were. At- uh but yeah they were brand new when i quit yeah they haven't they weren't exactly you know firewall field of craziness and all that stuff yeah i I feel like i would have had fun with some of them oh you would have definitely prospered in those formats a lot of them were ftk or like just turn one you're you set up a board that's unbreakable i think you would have discovered a lot of that stuff and yeah because that's pretty much it's interesting the game is has been that style for a while now and i feel like you led the charge on the whole idea of setting up an unbreakable board starting from your first win in 2013 with uh dragon rulers playing vanity's emptiness in the main deck that's how you won nationals yeah sure um i guess that was probably one of the earlier times but in fairness i just don't think it was necessarily that possible because i don't think the cards were as good yeah up until like a certain point and then you know once they're a certain level and they they've only gotten better since then and they'll only continue to get better uh you know i i think it kind of changes what the what the game should be about yes agree yeah the cards have definitely gotten a lot better no question about that i played dragon rollers recently actually with one of the um people on our patreon and it just felt so fucking weak it's strange because yeah. in 2013 <laughs> right that was that just that was the best deck it felt like the strongest deck ever and at the time i believe it really was i mean nothing yeah. no, nothing leading from 2005 like 2005 to 2013 was stronger than dragon rollers and then also spellbook of judgment and stuff like all of that shit just seems so weak now when you go back and play it like yeah. people people are like oh if spellbook of judgment came back to three it would be good i'm like that deck would still be unplayable like it's not yeah. It doesn't compare to anything that they're doing now. Like the extra deck has gotten so much more ridiculous. The extra deck is always accessible. You don't need to worry about bricking or anything really as far as like, oh, am I going to draw my spell up with judgment? Like I don't, I don't need to draw DPE. He can just come out of my extra deck from Anaconda, right? Yeah, Anaconda is a really cool element. That's one of my favorite cards since I started playing again. Yeah, it's a U card for sure. It definitely yeah. gives me that vibe. Um, but yeah, how do you feel 
about the game now, like comparing it to when you play and you were very, very dominant back then. And now where obviously we have a new class of like duelists who are, you know, doing well consistently and the, the way the game, the style of the game, you know, people are still wondering if they should be going first, if they should be going second. Um, they just, just yeah. a lot of different things. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always trying to go first. Uh, I, I definitely like it. Uh, you know, I always enjoyed the game the most when the when the formats were more powerful. So, you know, coming back after four years and now all, all the cards are more powerful. Right. Uh, you know, I enjoy it. Yeah. And right now. So here's here's one of the things that I feel like is so weird because Yu-Gi-Oh! usually doesn't have multiple playable decks. Um, usually yeah, they're. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right so that was the, the most jarring thing to me when i first came back to oh, i'm not playing currently but i've been going to locals starting this year and i've been going to locals since around the summertime i started going back because like silverman goes and you know they open back up and everything um sean mccabe started playing again actually and a lot of my, a week ago yes yes yeah, silverman yeah he's back to play he also won the last ycs in person so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so so we've been many games <laughs> i know right yeah exactly one of the few people who's won in more than one game uh silverman's a goat for sure but going back to locals like it's just interesting to see so many decks i would i would i would go and see 45 people playing and as i walk around a room you see sky striker and you see tribegay zoo and you see drytron you see pk and you see sorcel and you see like these other weird decks like Inf- infernoble and heroes and uh b trooper and, and and like all of them can do ridiculous shit like every single one of them like the the alistair decks there's just so many and i can keep going on and on and on and i'm sure you've probably experienced it now yourself having been played for a while dragon link and all that other stuff um it's just really crazy that there's so many decks all of them can establish these really crazy turn one boards they can pretty much all break boards and i i feel like there's only one right deck at any given moment um yeah so it's interesting to just see so many play but what do you what do you think about that like all of these different decks that people are playing yeah sure i guess uh i'd sum it up as like the challenge of the format is that anything that beats droplets loses to nibiru or things like that and so you end up having to play around multiple cards and you can't just you can't necessarily play around both and you can play cards that are good against one but they are are often not good against both and so you know when you're when you're like deck building and you can draw hands that you drew the card or you may you could make the play that was good against droplets but then you got blown out by nibiru or you could make the play against nibiru but then you got blown out by droplets so it's like those kind of challenges that you work with and i, I feel like those are kind of amplified when there's so many different decks because then it's things like barrier statue or scythe and you know protus and things like that and so like there's a lot of different cards and you know most of the cards that out those cards don't out all of them yeah that's actually really interesting i've never heard anyone say the the format really comes down to nibiru versus droplet and that's a really good way to look at it because i see those cards being main decked in pretty much everyone's deck in some way or another right like they play or the droplet or they play nibiru or they play both yeah and it's both of them are are essentially well they are go second cards uh i noticed that go second cards are very fucking powerful now they are just very, very, very powerful. You have Evenly Match that came out. And that was like the first one that when I read that years ago when I was judging regionals, this and I, I had already quit the game. I, I, I'm, I Evenly Match is crazy. You said what? Evenly Match is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Evenly Match is crazy. And that card came out years ago now. When I first read it like four years ago, I couldn't believe it that such, such a card could exist. But now you have like Lightning Storm. 
uh, Dark yep. Ruler No More, uh, Nibiru, Forbidden Droplet. And so that's like five cards right there that are pretty much blowouts if they resolve, right? Yep. And there's not really much you can do about them. Like you can you can build your deck in a way where, like you said, like it can even be my deck is going to be really good against Droplet, uh, but then it's it's weak to Nibiru or vice versa. And I like that mindset of trying to figure out like what's the right path to choose. I mean, obviously there's a bunch of other hand traps there, but I know you didn't used to like hand traps back in the day. So how do you feel about them now? I still don't. Yeah, <laughs> like Ash Blossom, Veiler, Impermanence, uh, Gamma. Yeah. Not not really a fan. Uh, my friend Dion, he made a funny uh, comparison about uh, Gamma. He was like, it's like drawing, um, uh, it's like drawing Garnet uh, <laughs> with uh, Harold. Or that's what he said about Harold. My bad. Uh, yeah. He's like, it's like drawing Garnet and uh, the thing together. And so you have to. Uh, <laughs> Harold the Orange Light. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like that about most hand traps, I guess. That, you know, sure, maybe Ash could stop something, but, you know, if it ends your turn, like, the deck wasn't probably doing all that to begin with, it do- so it doesn't matter that much. Right. Um, presumably, like, you should have been able to beat those kind of things anyway if their play was going to lose to just one Ash. Um, and then when it doesn't just lose to one Ash, it's kind of like you're just discarding a card, and now you have to deal with whatever they beat with one last card. Um, I don't, I'm, I don't necessarily hate cards like Nibiru in terms of like playing them because they're like blowouts, and so like it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but in, when anything like uh, you know Valor, Ash, Imperm, those kind of cards, I don't, I don't like very much. Yeah, though. Nibiru is a blowout. It usually fucking ends the game. Like that card is usually just game. Um, yeah. some you know but some. Even decks can play around it, you know. Sword Soul can get to the to the bear on like a fifth summon, and so there's a there's a lot of decks that can play around the beer too now. Yeah, and also with Anaconda, right? That you get a token, so yeah. you can also make DPE. And before DPE came out, it was Dragoon. Well, the token you have to make Anaconda with effect. Oh, you can't make it with the token. Mm-hmm. Oh well, never yeah, mind. Like spider. All right, well. I guess you need to uh, do something else. To me. I, this whole time I've been thinking that you needed to use anything, any monsters with it, but that makes it slightly less powerful. I guess that Anaconda requires effect monsters. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just, I usually see people's turns and on like such awkward boards after Nibiru that it does seem like a card that's good to play. If you do want to play any cards to say like, I'm going se- like when I do go second, I have this in at least, uh, if, if it were me, I'd probably want to play something with a bit of synergy. I really like the the Alistair deck um, just because it's, you know, it's a light monster for that deck. It has like that type of synergy with it. But other than that, I don't really know. I see a lot of 15 hand trap decks. They just do not. That just does not seem correct to me. I know people have success with it, but if there is no king on the throne, then people will have success with anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you like. So obviously you've had a very storied career in Yu-Gi-Oh and a lot of controversy, all types of crazy shit. Uh, but one of the craziest things that ever happened in the community was the, uh, the gin, the gin side out thing. Right. So way back in the day, uh, a lot of people freaked out when they heard about, would you like to side out gin? And then you show them the gin, you guys both show and then you side it out. And then you actually have sided copies of it or sided a copy of it so that you could side it, side it in and then actually still have gin in your deck. This has been such a controversial thing. I still see it pop up as a meme on Zodiac Duelist from time to time. Um, super funny, but like I was actually around during the time. I, I was one of the people that you actually text and told me like, yo, I got the most broken idea ever. <laughs> And I was like, you are a fucking monster. Like you are. I think that might have been my exact response was like, 
you are a monster. Um, how do you feel like, you know, in hindsight, like, how do you feel about that situation? Like, have you have you really thought about that whole thing? Like people try to bring in, I don't know, morality and ethics and all types of sh- crazy shit. But like, how do you really feel about that uh, in 2021? Yeah, it's funny. I guess I go back and forth on it a little bit. But to be honest, like, I don't I still don't think it matters that much, because when you think about it um, and I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I actually was the one who like came up with siding out cards and like asking your opponent to side out cards. And the it goes back, agreement. Yeah, it goes back to the the like second dragon ruler format. Um, and we started doing it for cards like return from the different dimension at yep. first uh, because, you know, you just explain to your opponent, you know, whoever draws this. It makes it unfair. You're probably going to automatically win. But from where I'm sitting, like that was always to have an advantage, right? Because like if I assume that I'm a better player, then if we remove those cards from our deck, then I'm taking a chance that you auto win out of the deck. (laughs) So I feel like I'm increasing my chances by asking you that inherently. And so, you know, for the first couple of years that that happened, like it was really only cards that were limited to one that were that, that that you could ever do that with. And then in Necros format, it was kind of like a unique position where it, the card was at three, but you still played one because you could search it every hand. Yep. And so that's kind of where the idea came about. But it, it, it's an interesting take because like, you know, going back to the actual origins of the gentleman's agreement was to always gain an advantage. Yes. So you just took it a step further with the side yeah. engine, side engine combo. Yeah. I mean, like we're playing a competitive game, like, <laughs> yeah you give yourself every edge to win and i, I mean I, under, I understand like i completely understand i remember when you first told me about it i laughed so hard <laughs> and a lot you of know, people were funny, I, uh, I i joked with some of my friends about signing a third at the next <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i didn't do it. i didn't do it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, i did i did um keep asking people the rest of that format to sign out jen and they they kind of look at me and i'd be like don't worry i'm, I'm only playing the one they'd be like all right sure and they would still <laughs> i didn't sign in a second one after that but like they, yeah they, it was funny because people would consistently still side it out wow even after this incident they would actually oh that's crazy <laughs> i would just tell you to go fuck yourself and keep side ducking <laughs> that's that's hilarious i'm i'm glad that i'm not one of the people who got caught by that like that I, oh i can't imagine the first guy who got gen locked by you because when people used to do gentlemen's agreements if well, i'm not go ahead yeah, I was going to say, I, it was actually a lot of, I don't know if anyone knows this, but I never actually did it, but uh, it, I intended to do it. Believe me, I, it just four rounds in a row. It was like I went to game one in time and then another guy told me no. And then like, I don't know, it was just like four separate things and it yeah. never actually came up and I intended to. Yeah, because so. I remember back in the day with the gentleman's agreements, people would, the, the car would be face up on your mat. Uh, which is, which is, I guess, like, yeah, that would be the one face up. yes, so that, that's what made it so great. Yeah, it's like, one is face up, bitch. yeah, like literally people would, uh, side out, let's say vanity's emptiness. So we would both show our copies of emptiness. We would put them face up on the mat, like off to the side somewhere. And we would play the game that way. That was how the gentleman's agreement was done. So your idea was insane because they see Jin over there and their Jin is right next to it. It's like, well, that's not the same Jin. So this fucker must have sided. If he did some magic trick or he sided in a copy of Jin. And it probably, you know, the realization probably sets in like, oh God, this card's at three. So, uh, but yeah, that, well, it's good to know that, that, that you never actually did it. I didn't know that part. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference though? I intended to. Yes, and you, yeah. If the situation presented itself, yeah. If the situation presented itself, you're like, I would have fucking done it. Situations where it didn't yeah. that, uh, that reminds me. I think a similar conversation came up when we were talking to Tommy Rowe. But yeah, once again, that reminds me of in melee. There's a gentleman's agreement for chic dittos where competitive players like Mewtwo King, etc., they won't chain grab, um, which is basically an infinite on chic. 
And so one tournament, M2K and Shroomed do the gentleman's agreement. Don't chain grab. Shroomed starts winning. And M2K just starts chain grabbing. Him. Oh shit! <laughs> like so many tournaments have gone on where like nobody broke that agreement. But then this is one tournament, M2K almost a, lost, and he was like, "I'm in there. I'm chain grabbing him." Is there a dynamic in the game where the makers of the game can remove something that they don't like? Because like Yu-Gi-Oh has that. Only you know? the, only now. Yeah, now Not Melee came then. out twenty years ago, but it still Not played competitively. Me. It still has. I think the most recent tournament had what like twenty thousand viewers or something. More so it's still has like fifty thousand viewers. Fifty thousand. So it's it's a still very large uh, competitive game from twenty years ago. So so it can't be passed. They're just playing with what was coded in in two thousand one. Yes. Really? So to answer your question, Pat, it can't be removed from Super Smash Bros. Melee at all. That is a part of the game, no matter what. Um, I uh, I don't think you should break that one. Then. Yeah, you're like <laughs> it just sounds like you're in the whole game forever. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, like you said, Yu Gi Oh can fix. The issue, like Jen, I believe, is banned yeah. right now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and a lot of other problematic cards obviously are banned. Some of them not though, like Imperial Order. But you know, how do you, speaking, of, speaking of that, how do you feel about Imperial Order being legal? Oh, they should ban. Okay, yeah, I can't okay. believe every week we do this fucking podcast. I can't believe that card's still legal. Yeah, <laughs> still legal. What do you think about cards like uh, Scythe and Protos and shit like that? Like, are those ones are searchable now and they pretty much are doing like what you like to do, which is make sure that the person cannot play the game to begin with. I don't know. I'm I'm inclined to not like them. Like I think it's our job as players to discover them, and Konami's job to get rid of them. Yep. Uh, and then it it inevitably happens again. But you know, if they got rid of them, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think Protus is even more unique because like it happens on your opponent's turn, and so like you don't you can't draw a card like Droplets and out it, and so like it 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 makes it even fewer outs to it. Yeah, you know, I just found that out this past week. Uh, I think maybe during a Tommy podcast, right, Kenny? He said that because I was thinking that you could just like Dark Ruler No More or Forbidden Droplet it or something and be done with it. But the effect activates on your on their turn, a person who's doing it. And it just kind of like puts a condition on the game where you can't use this attribute now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this attribute is not usable for the next turn. Yeah. Um, that's, and then when it does it again. <laughs> and then what happens? It does it again. It does it again the next turn. <laughs> oh shit! It's like a every turn thing. Yeah, and like, how are you killing it if you're you're playing the kind of thing that? Yeah. Kills so if they call it dark and you're playing Phantom Knights, like you just lose. And on top of that, it can't be destroyed by card effects. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't even like Rageki or Lightning Storm it or anything. It's just like this card is just going to fuck on you. Yeah. That's that's insane. I like I like the idea of it's our job to discover it and it's Konami's job to get rid of it. That makes perfect sense to me. And in a perfect world, that is what should happen in any functional card game. I feel like. Yeah, sure. And I feel like it often does too. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I know Pokemon has a, does a good job of it. Magic does a good job of it too. Uh, when things get out of hand, even though they have a crazy resource system for their game, which theoretically every card in Magic is pretty fair, but then every once in a while, some things will be they'll slip under the radar. There was this one card called Pack Rat, and you tapped it, and it created a copy of itself. And I don't know how this was like a huge oversight, but literally the card could tap itself, make a Pack Rat, then the next turn you tap both of them. Now you have four, and then you tap them again. You have eight, and so the game just it just ends immediately. Like turn one. <laughs> play a swamp it, it costs one swamp like one dark mana play swamp play pack rat tap it make a pack rat go you have one turn to get rid of both of them otherwise you just lose like so stuff like that uh it did it's strange it, it didn't get discovered in, like immediately but at, like after that pack came out 
I remember people at my local were talking about, holy shit, Pack Rat is so unfair. It's like one of the most unfair cards ever. And they got rid of it. Of, of like Super Rejuvenation. That card was ancient. And then one day, yeah. one format. Yeah, Dragon Roller. That card now, it could be at 10 copies per deck. It wouldn't do a single thing. It's so crazy yeah. to think. It does It does its thing at the end phase. And that it's is... Crazy, it's <laughs> Yeah, it's far It's far too late. Um, If you don't mind me asking, so first, are you going to Pasadena or Vegas or anything like that? Yeah, both. Okay, I'm booked for Pasadena. I'm going to book for Vegas eventually, but I will see you in Pasadena. I'm really excited about that. First in real YCS since the uh, pandemic started. And yep. that should be a lot of fun. Um. Not specifically, like, what deck do you think you're going to play? Because we would never reveal the goo. But, like, what de- what is your opinion of some of the decks? I'm just going to go down the line. Like, how do you feel about Source Soul? Let's start with the most popular deck right now. I think it's occupying 9 out of 16 of the top 16 deck lists for the remote YCS. Yeah, sure. I think it's a step up from, like, what a standard deck normally does. But I think that it's still... Uh, I think it has a lot of normal summons still, and I think that that's that's like a hard requirement for it for me in a deck because I I don't really want to go over three normal summons, and so like I I don't like it for that reason. But I think it does like its best hands do more than the the you know normal best deck of the formats hands do. Um, but yeah, not for me. So you have a rule of no more than three normal summons. When you say that, do you mean like if you're playing Tor God of the Underworld, you don't want to also be playing Reborn Tengu and Thunder King Ryo? Correct. Or even tour guide and uh, torn scales. Right. So, so the next deck I was going to ask about was a Phantom Knight, and it seems like I think I like the deck. I got all right. There's a few things I like about the deck, and a few things I don't like about the deck. Um, the things that I don't like about the deck are potentially up to six normal summons. I, I almost certainly wouldn't play tour guide if I played it. Um, and I just play the torn scales, and then. Uh, so I guess they can kind of deal with that. I think they have a little bit more bricks than a lot of the other decks because they're playing like the Phoenix Enforcer stuff and they're playing Fog Blades and like, you know, Fog Blades okay going first, but like it's not a card you really want to see going right. second. And um, you don't really want to see it going first either. You'd rather search it. Uh, and so I think they have more bricks than the average deck, um, but they're also doing, you know, a lot more for a lot less. You know, a lot of their cards are are every effect has two effects. And so like they have a lot of advantages. Um, they get to play, you know, Phoenix enforcers, they can play scythe. So they get to play a lot of good cards. Um, I just don't think that they uh, can necessarily beat boards in the engine either. And that's kind of like a tall requirement, to be honest. Uh, most decks can't, but um, yeah, so too many normal summons. And I, I think they play more bricks. So a lot of the decks do. that requirement, you said they can't really beat boards with their own engine. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, it, it's kind of hard for it to to beat like the actual problem cards in the format. Right. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily do it on its own. Does any deck do that right now on its own? That's a it's a tall ask. Um, I mean, I, I like uh, I like fusion cards and pretty broadly, I like fusion cards because I think they come the closest uh, to beating the problem cards in the format, like within an engine. So, how do you feel about the Invocation Alistair hybrid decks and stuff with the Dogmatica and all? Of it? There's so many variants of it. I don't even know what to call it, but yeah, it's, well, it, it's really consistent. You know, it does the same thing pretty much every game, which is you know good. Uh, it summons Window, so it's got a really powerful floodgate. Um, I think Nadir is one of the best cards in the game for sure. Nadir, uh, yeah, I think it's crazy. I think it also has a normal summon problem a bit though, because it's you know playing a bunch of Alistairs and field spells and searches and all that stuff. So I think it's got a little bit of a normal summon problem too. Uh, but I, I think it, it's pretty 
consistent and it does something good consistently so, at least. That deck is interesting to me because when I first came back and McCabe uh he started playing Yu-Gi-Oh again. So he was at the local and he was playing that deck with three super polys. Now, this card is no stranger to you because you are the person who won a YCS with three super polys. And yeah, I remember playing one. I was like, okay, play three. Yeah, I can't believe. And you sent me, it's crazy. The week of that YCS, or maybe two weeks before that YCS, you sent me your exact deck list. And I, I tested it with McCabe. He was playing Stellar Knights. And I, yep. for, I four-owed him on Dueling Book or Dueling Network, whatever it was called back then. I four-owed yep. him. And he said, this is bullshit. Like, jokingly, he was like, this is bullshit. I'm done. And he just, like, left the room. Like, he just left. Like, I, I just, like, he had, like, the nab for back row. And I think one was the counter trap. Like, one was, like, call it a haunted or something. And I just, like, OD'd on him. I was just, like, draw phase anything. No, like, activate super poly. Get rid of your whole field. Like, you can't use your counter trap now. Uh, Dragon pop a back row. Like, when the, you know, everything. Just, like, the game just ended, basically. Like, construct comes out. Window comes out right behind it. And... For some strange reason, I fell into the trap for that Toronto YCS to like not play your deck list, the winning deck. I ended up playing like the fucking basic bitch version that had uh, artifacts in it and like Sanctum. And that was like my light engine as opposed to using like Wyver Buster and the other baby, the four star, you know, the four star dragons. Um, that deck was really, really broken. Now, the one you made with the Shadals with three super poly and like the baby dragons and. I just remember, I don't know, like after, it's weird, after being eliminated from that YCS, I played side events and just scraped up the side events with the exact deck list. It's like people just couldn't deal. Uh, but how do you yeah. feel? How do you feel about Super Poly now in 2021? I still think it's it's the nuts. Yeah. And no one's playing it though, I feel like. Oh, man. I, I like fusion cards and I, I, I would play it if I was playing a fusion deck. Yeah, if yeah, I feel like the Alistair decks, I don't know if they side it, maybe they side it, but I I just can't <laughs> they don't even side it, right? That's, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's actually crazy. I, I just can't imagine that we exist in a world where super polymerization is not a playable card, right, Kenny? Like uh, that is, card so is broken. Let me tell you what I did. So I played uh, at the virtual YCS. I played Despia, and like I liked the deck a lot. I think that it had some problems to to figure out still. But let me tell you one of the the things that Super Poly did by itself. Um, so my opponent went Protus, called Darks. I'm playing a dark deck. Yep. Um, he went uh, the Baron and the um, Chichao, okay. and then he set Infirm. And Jesus. all I did. Was I set a Despia monster and I played Super Poly and I Super Polyed away his um his Protus and the Chi Chow and summoned the the big Despia that takes three. It takes a, a Despia light and a dark. Uh-huh. Um and then it's 3200 attack. So I attacked it with a Baron. Uh and then its effect is quick play reborn during the main phase. So oh then main God. phase used it to reborn the the Baron. He impermed it and then when he drew, I reborned it anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> it was just like super poly beat that whole field and gave me a negate bit by itself. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Let my me, god. This brings up a good question overall. Cause as I understand it, Pat, you are both a deck scientist in terms of constructing decks and looking for like unique ways to build a deck or different metacalls. But also, obviously, a great player and can, um, the technical side of playing the game. Now, obviously, both are very important, but do you think either one is weighed a little harder? Do you think if somebody was learning how to play, obviously, you need to know how to do both, but do you think one is a little better? Like if somebody's a better deck constructor or yeah, um, I think, a better player? Yeah, I, I actually think deck building counts for a lot more. Uh, okay. I, I don't really think it's close either. 
Um, because I think what, and I think I've seen this for some years now where if you have like really good technical players, um, they can top pretty consistently, uh, and maybe win one to two events. Uh, and then, but to really get a lot, like to get, to get beyond that, really, um, I think that deck building has to be the advantage because Mm -hmm. with technical play, like, you know, at the end of the day, like if we're playing the same deck and I'm sitting across from someone, if if I'm if I think I'm the best player in the tournament, whoever I'm sitting across from is still 80 percent as good as me. And so like the the difference across, you know, a 16 round tournament, like it's it's just not enough of an advantage. And so right. I feel like the only way to get enough of an advantage to to really win tournaments multiple times, right. uh, like a lot is to have a deck building advantage. And I don't think that technical play can really make up for that. I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. I actually have something to say about that because so I existed at pretty much the dawn of competitive Yu-Gi-Oh like Oh five. I was around. I wasn't good. I was a kid, but I I did play in good format. You said what? I was reading metagame by 2005. Same, same. I was a heavy, heavy on the metagame, heavy on like the Adam Korn following, the Iman Iman uh. following, um, overdose, all of that stuff. The super friends, like Brent Yatter, all like all of that. I back then, technical skill meant a lot because everyone was playing the same yeah. deck and the deck was very basic. It was yep. a very so goat format, which is why like now, Kenny, when you when you guys watch me play or watch me observe like oh five goat format and like the formats that are closer to ghost so like the formats following it are also pretty much the same as far as like yeah. power level and just the decision making tree is so small um yep. so when you're when you when you observe me in those formats like i'm pretty godly because my technical skill has always been extremely good like i'm really good at spotting the correct play i kind of know what people are doing i know how to make reads then Yu-Gi-Oh shifted to yep. what Patrick is talking about, because there was a shift, right? There was a uh-huh. point where you didn't really have to know how to build a deck. Like the plant agent deck were pretty much pre-built. I think that that middle period was the worst part of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, yes. There was <laughs> there is a middle period, right? And deck building, like X Sabres and stuff like that, like it didn't really matter too much what you did with those decks. Like those decks just kind of built themselves. Um, but then a shift happened. And it's interesting because so like my I won with Gravekeepers. That's my one win. And that is because of the deck, like the deck itself. I'd argue that pretty much anyone playing that deck could have won that YCS. In fact, the other two people playing that deck were second and third place. The creator of the deck, Sean McCabe, like also second place, like the deck is that strong. Granted, yeah. me and him, are, we've always been technical players, but Sean always had the deck building eye and I I've never prided myself on being like a deck builder. Like that's just not my thing. Um, I usually rely on my group to like help out with deck ideas and like bounce things off. And like, I'm good at knowing what's not good, but yeah. I'm not good at putting together the whole 40. Like I'm, I can look at a deck list and say like that, just you're doing, you're trying to do two things. You're trying to go first and second. Like, what do you want to do here? You're playing too many hand traps, but you're also trying to break boards with like droplets and like all these other cards. Like you can't do both. Like, which one are you really trying to do? So yeah. like, even now, I don't play at all, but people at my locals, they still like ask me for advice and stuff like that. And I'll look at their list and I'll say like, you know, you have to pick what you want to do, but you can't do both. I know that, I know that you hate losing when they set up a board. I know you hate losing when you go first and they break your board, but you, you cannot possibly expect to just draw. I want to draw the go second. Yeah. It just doesn't work. So I agree. Deck building has become so, so, so weighted. Uh, first, second, third. It's so crazy at a YCS too. <laughs> you said what? Yeah, no. First, second, third. I don't know if that's ever happened. I know um, that's what I know of, no. Yeah, like <laughs> like since then, I don't know if any like group of people, like a small group of people have gone to an event and just like 
Like imagine you, Ben and Zach all just like take, or like you, Ben and Desmond just take like first, second, third back in a day. Like that, <laughs> that would be insane, right? I'm like that's crazy. just, yeah. So it's funny because at that, at that YCS Atlanta, you actually played one of the guys. Um, he did not top, but he had the deck. His name was Sushant. You played them round one. I'll never forget this because I walked up to the table and he was resolving a lore of darkness. Okay. And you were just sitting there, like I think you were playing plants. Um, you were just, you know, chilling, like watching him play his turn out. And he he's resolving a Lord Darkness. He banishes uh Gravekeeper's Commandant. And I think you said like that's not dark. And he was yeah. like, Oh shit, it's not and dark. And then he discards his hand. I he, remember this. Yes, yeah. he discards his entire <laughs> hand. So he starts the game off with zero cards and he wins the game though. Which yes. is which is <laughs> dog, do you understand how fucking absurd? No. Easy. That like, and I watched. I stood there and watched the game fall apart. Like he top deck like Gravekeeper Steel. He like plays and gets back Commandant, gets back yep. another guy, and then he just like gets Necrovalley on the board, and then it just gets out of hand because like Plants just yep. could not deal at all. It, like that was the beginning of where I would say like deck building started to really really show is like you need to build better um, than everyone else in a room to have a real competitive advantage. Yeah. And it's weird because after that the game went into this weird period of like. The 2011 is uh, agents, plants, uh, people playing like Infernity and shit like that. And those decks were just kind of like whatever. Like, I don't think any of them really had an edge over the other too much. Uh, I think that if we went back and played like 2011, we would all find out that there's only really one deck to play. Yeah, it's not really different, I'm sure. Oh, it would look like, way different. You know, all, all competitive like Go decks now look way different. They look they so act. different. Yeah, they, yeah, they do. It's the same thing, you know, when you go back, you, you learn more, so. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy, like, deck, deck building is so weighted uh, in the equation, and it, it used to be like, oh, technical skill, because we're both playing goats, right? Like, yeah. we're both end phase, scapegoat, draw phase, whatever, get back Sinister Serpent, then play Metamorphosis, suck up your guy, priority, all that, like, everyone knew how to do that at a point, so, like, what's your advantage now? Like, do you yeah. expect to just be better than everyone across the table from you? Um, also, we're in the age of, like, technology and dueling book, and that didn't yep. exist back then, so... The average player, and I know you and I talked about this back in the day all the time, but the average player now is light years away from the average player in like 05, 06, 07, 08, 09. Uh, it's not even close. Like people. Yeah, yeah. It's so much better. Yeah. That's, people you know, now can beat you. That's the trajectory of, I think, a lot of competitive games now, right? Like almost every competitive game I follow, the average player is so much better than what the average player would have been 10 years ago. Yeah. And a new player that just gets into the game can catch up so much quicker. Yep. There's a lot better tools. Like you said, you know, even, even dueling book wasn't around for a long time. I remember I started with YBD back in like 2007. Oh my for the God. Year. For the first year that I played, I had no pictures. And so yeah. it was wild. Back the then. dark ages. Yeah. No, you are, yeah. you are a scrapper. The duelist grounds era. Love, hate, cherish, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's funny. So, like, there are, I think, more tools even now, too. Like, I saw um, this guy make, like, a bot that watched, like, a million games of Yu-Gi-Oh! and then created the best version of each deck. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, that was not... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the idea oh. of that is still mind-blowing to me. Like, what you just yeah, said so crazy. sounds crazy. Yeah. And There's, you see shit like that on Reddit all the time. Like, you'll see a Reddit thread of, like, I fed an AI... 1 million things of this and this is what it created it's like holy shit yeah dude i know a lot about ai and it's, it's so interesting like i love it <laughs> yeah that's like your thing yeah it's so cool <laughs> I, yeah I, I look, go so ahead. many different areas of it too well i was going to just ask real quick and also give you a, a chance to floss if a you re 
if you remember how many ARGs or YCSs that you got first in, and B, uh, if you remember how many of those, or even ones where you got top four or whatever, where you making a crucial deck building decision that nobody else really made is the reason why you came out ahead. So all of yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I was going to ask, is it all of them? And if yeah. so, is there like one or two or two or three that, that are standout to you that you would want to talk about? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess just it. Uh, so it's five ARGs, two YCSs and nationals. Um, I do think the deck building was an edge at all of them. Um, the only thing and so like the closest one where you could almost argue that it wasn't, I still kind of feel like it was because so I played I got um, it was back to back wins with the with a BA deck. Uh, and I played it the first weekend and it ended up being a lot better than I thought it would be. And I my my mindset was to play Shadals after that to beat the BA deck. And then I got into it and I realized that the BA deck was just better. And so that I was going to have to play against BA anyway after that. Um, and then, so what I just did is I made something crazy, like 10 cards of my side deck for the mirror match. And it was just like three puppet plants, three enemy controllers, like Ojama trios. And I don't know. It was like, it was like a ton of cards just for the mirror match. And then I, and then I won the YCS the following weekend with all of those cards in the side deck. <laughs> and so like those two were kind of the same deck with like 10 cards to side different. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, so like, you know, nationals, I think, uh, Vanity's Emptiness was a big one. No one was really playing Emptiness. I played uh, 11 Mirrors. I went 11-0 in the Mirrors. Um, That's fucking great. (laughs) It was crazy. And um, against the... I, I had cool stuff too against like the spellbook deck. I was signing like puppet plants and switching forest uh, level six off the uh, <laughs> off gold sarks and then tributing and attacking and something level eight and floodgating them like that. And <laughs> it was good, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, and so um, I do think it was there. Then uh, Dragoonity, I guess, was like the next one. Which oh, one was yeah, you did win with that shit yeah um <laughs> that was like the m7 thing that you were doing i think uh it wasn't even m7 it was just like i remember it was i played it was a lot of draw cards i remember that yeah. I, I played like some stuff in it um i don't know start came into play nine dragon ruler still so it was basically a dragon ruler deck to be real if you were just with the dragoonity engine i think the trigon deck in that in that format was actually a good bit better than the dragoonity deck but it didn't get discovered until later in the yeah, format. Yeah, wasn't it? Was it Billy who discovered the Trigon yeah, thing? Yeah, Billy and Robbie. Yep. Um, and and it, I think that once that came out, it was definitely better than the Dragoonity deck. But no one really knew about it early yeah. in the format because it just made Ancient Fairy Dragon and just like mm-hmm. OD'd on Ravine, which was the Carter format. Yeah. Then I guess was Mermails next, uh, and so I feel like up until this point, everyone was trying to play like a kill you, put eight thousand on the board kind of Mermail. Uh, and mine was more like, um, you know, summon Pike, pitch, gunned, get marksman, summon back, like turge, pitch the marksman, get the get back the gun, yeah, you know, their back row, make Bahamut shark. And so I was like playing like a, it was it was different, you know what I mean? And in um, that's like when you beat yeah. Bowden in the finals, right? Like that around yeah, that time. And you yeah. you also, I think there was a YCS. I want to say maybe Atlanta. There was like a YCS where you, because I remember people were playing Fire Fist, and that's when that's when the whole memes of like that's a Fire Fist deck, and that, that's still being said today. Like people talking about how oh, it's like Sword Soul is Fire Fist because it does look like Fire Fist sometimes when it has like the normal summon thing going on, and like if you stop their yeah, normal summon, it could end their turn. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. They're like Moye F, and somebody goes like Valor or Imperm, and they just go past. Basically, it's like. Yep. 
that looks like Fire Fist when somebody goes bear a F and you're like negate and they just okay pass. Like, yeah, that YCS and the ARG were back to back weekends, and then in Swiss at the YCS, I only lost one game with that deck, and then I won the ARG the next weekend. Yep. And and the top out of that event was draft, and I lost in draft. It was like the battle pack one, yes. one I think. Uh, and so I lost in, in in draft in that one, and then I won the ARG the weekend after that. Yeah, you were were you playing Reckless Greed? Yes, yes, because I, I think no one was playing Reckless Greed at the time. Like that was not a thing. Yeah, what was Reckless Greed at three? Three. Oh God. Yeah, was Pat cool. was notorious for discovering. Oh God, he was notorious. You said what? <laughs> I think I played it like a card card too, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you played. Uh, yeah, you were also the pioneer of Upstart Goblin. Um, that's why, like, you know, when we were when we were sponsored by ARG, like that was your token. That was who you were basically represented as this Upstart Goblin. The reason why I love that, that why that card went up so much. The reason why, pretty much, I used to say every format in the past was incorrect off just the premise of Upstart Goblin not being used in every deck back in the day. Like every deck before pat started playing upstar goblin was like obviously there's other things that are wrong with those formats like you can go back to 07 and dissect uh perfect circle and uh troop dupe scoop and all that stuff like those decks probably are awful if people went back and fixed them but just off of the premise of upstar goblin being a card that just was not used ever really until like 2013 which is crazy um <laughs> they were just you, wrong on that when you started playing upstar was there anybody like saying you're you're nuts like when you tried playing, when you were playing it, were somebody saying like, "Why are you playing that card?" Um, I don't really remember that much. Anyone thinking it was that crazy? Because nobody but, played it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> nobody played it, and I, I I topped a lot with it. Before <laughs> people actually started playing with it. Like it, you really had to drill into people's heads that it was a good card. Yeah, you get players with stuff. Played, but then it got to the point where it was like three in every single deck. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, I think Upstar's still not at three right now. Is it one? Yeah, and I make, I mean, yeah, it's one of those cards that probably should not be at three because it is an auto include, especially for like a match of Sky Strikers. Like, I know that deck's pretty fair now, but with three upstars, that deck definitely gets a power creep. Like, that is so. You can steal your monster and make the Pride of Plant and Phoenix. Yeah, they yeah they have a lot going. Like now with DPE and Fusion Destiny being a spell card, like it has a lot more going for it. But uh, Reckless Greed and Water, I don't think anybody would have thought of that shit. It just seems so weird. I'm again, this is another deck list that you sent me before you won with it and i tested it and i was winning with it and i just was like i could not bring myself to play reckless green in a tournament for like i just couldn't imagine and then yeah. here you are in the finals and just like destroying Bowden basically uh, oh the the pendulum deck i won with was kind of cool too because everyone was choosing to go second in that format um like literally everybody because they would just do eight thousand and you couldn't really do very much against it and so what i did is i put brilliant fusion in the pendulum deck and i was sending like trick clowns to the graveyard and i was making uh i think king of the feral imp and being able to search the the monster the the level one tuner and making naturia beast oh <laughs> was, yeah i forgot about that okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah turn one to Naturia beast you can't play the game at all yeah and so it, it was so funny because it was like i was i was choosing to go first when i won the dice roll and then when they won the dice roll they were they letting were choosing me. to go second yeah and so i was like this is great and then i made that cherry beast with like full 80s and they just that's just great. great that's one of those great moments because if you have if you see where the whole meta for yeah. some reason is like all choosing this one thing you can be like wait a minute you guys yeah. are choosing to go second there's got to be a go first deck that can take advantage of this yeah for sure um you know i i definitely think that those are the kind of things to look for when you're 
when you're trying to build decks. But I, I guess it goes back a little bit to the Nibiru droplets problem. Of yeah, like, I was going to say that. I was literally yeah. thinking to myself, that's the kind of the issue with this format is that this format may not really be solvable in the amount of, in the amount of time that you guys have. Um, you know, oftentimes things aren't. I, I would say that in general is yeah. that it's time to solve new formats is after cards come out. Yep. And I think the longer the, the, the formats go, and even ban lists don't change it, like a ton of things. Like I think new cards being released changes a lot more. Um, and I think that those first couple events after a new card, like after a new sets come out are really like the most winnable events. And then after that, it kind of, you know, people kind of catch on to what, what's really good. And, you know, there's not as much of a chance, like there aren't just infinite new cards to be able to keep going up with. Yeah. I think most of my tops in Yu-Gi-Oh are events that are close to the beginning of a format. Yeah, um, cause it's just people. Yeah. And Jeff Jones, I think he attested to that too. Like he likes when the format yeah. changes, it's the best time for a deck builder. It's the best time to catch people off guard. Uh, anytime people have to read your cards, it's pretty <laughs> much over. <laughs> like you royal tribute and they have to pick it up and say like what does this do like the game is probably just over at that point like that you don't need yeah <laughs> so once you catch yourself reading cards um you probably lost because it's too hard to think about the card and then all the interactions it has with like how it functions with your deck you don't really understand it's too late now you probably just lose that round and it, you can just get sometimes you just get free wins from the format changing basically yep i agree yeah what do you think uh they should do like i know we talked about like protos and stuff like that like you think those cards you think proto should be banned you think scythe should be banned you think that they need to go yeah yeah probably Screw them. yeah just like they don't need to be around yeah i agree i uh i the idea i know scythe isn't performing well like tommy was talking about it like it's not actually doing as well as everyone thinks it is but it just being an option that like you know one round you might just lose to somebody yeah. siphoning you twice and it's, that's that's a thing. Like when you when there's so many different decks, like how could you how could it not happen once? Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't like this format because I feel like one, I don't understand how there's so many decks that people are playing. I just don't feel like there's a there's a way that you can convince me that Phantom Knight, Drytron, Tri Brigade, Bird Up, uh, Sword Soul, all like you can't like all of these decks and they all yeah. perform pretty well. Like Sino Sword Soul. The reason they all perform well though is the droplets in a bureau problem. Right. So it's not necessarily the deck. It's more so just like those cards, like forcing a certain yeah. thing on the on the game. You know, the decks are going to kind of do good things whenever they do it. And so, like, if you draw droplets against a deck, yeah. then it probably just do something better than your field that got droplets could have. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think that's kind of how, which, you know, in fairness, like, I kind of feel like Konami's been working towards this kind of for years where they want like a lot of decks in the format. And I think that one of the ways they decided that they could best do it is to keep increasing the power of those like going second cards like evenly and things like that. It's clear to me that there's an agenda because I've never I never imagined a world where going second cards are this powerful. Like they're so ridiculously powerful now. Yeah. And, and by making them that powerful, I think from like a game design perspective, they think that they can make all these other decks competitive, which to an extent has worked. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like it, it's a hard problem to solve as like a deck builder. But, uh, you know, if you get it, you know, I also think that's probably how you win events. Yep. I, I was telling people, because uh, I know you've been going to the Rocky Mountain Collectibles tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I know you played like a crazy deck at that event, too. I think it was like Dragon Link with Phantom Knight or something like that. Yeah, Dragon Link with Phantom Knight. So it was really cool. Um, you can make... Uh, you can make like Delangerous with your Striker Pitsy stuff and then go into the the Rusty uh, and then set Phantom, set Fogblade and then set a second Fogblade basically off of him. Uh, and then you could make uh, the 
Um, you could bring the Delangerous back and you can make uh, like Appaloosa with the Delangerous the second time. And then you could make Quad Boral and pop the Rusty and summon back three rockets. And this was all just like part of, you know, normal hands. Like it wasn't, there wasn't any particular con. I don't feel like Dragons as a whole had combos. They just had like interactions. And so like there were a lot of different ways to be able to get to that same kind of play. Um, right so it's not a spreadsheet deck really it's more like uh whatever you have you kind of play based on yeah. that yeah and it's uh it's cool like they have more special summons than most of the decks they just uh, i think they lose harder to the problem cards in the format too than yep because that's definitely a nibiru, nibiru scoop deck right like that deck i mean obviously once you get to a certain point if you can set up a negate then you just negate it but uh, you can do kind of cool things like you can go uh you can if you play like Fallen Alabaz, you summon uh Hieratic Seal, you can fuse with their token and summon the uh Albion guy, which summons like a quick play scrap dragon that's reborn. And then if you link with him, you get to set a card out of your deck in the end phase. So you end up with like multiple traps after you get imbued if you play Fallen Alabaz. <laughs> yeah, that's I think that that card has a lot of potential, by the way. The whole Fallen Alabaz. It's so cool. I love every part of that whole like archetype except for an alibi itself like it's just a brick <laughs> yeah i think that that whole thing like the fusing first of all it, yeah. fusing with people's monsters because that's what that's what it does right like that's the whole concept of that when i first saw it i was like how the hell is this is this okay like everything is basically a super poly yeah that's fucked up yeah it's like like sort of yeah kenny the concept of that entire deck is just like i fuse with your side of the field yeah you can also send stuff from your extra deck to be able to special it out of your deck and like it, it is really cool yeah, I think that it's, it's kind of like the future of Yu-Gi-Oh. I think the next power creep could honestly end up... Nadir Servant is what I would consider like the future of Yu-Gi-Oh. Using your extra deck as a resource. It's funny. So I, um, I, I, I ended up cutting Nadir Servant from my Despia deck right before this last YCS. Uh, and I think it might have been the right choice. And I say that fully knowing that I, it's one of the best cards in the game. So why do you think uh, it might have been the right choice? It takes a lot of space, first of all. So it's five cards in the main deck and at least five cards in your extra deck. Um, and it also, uh, you know, it's really good in terms of like it can get you two additional cards, but it's also kind of doing that basically at the end phase. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you can't special summon after you so do that. If it were another combo card or something like that, you could basically do that thing main phase one. Um, and so I feel like that's often relevant, you know, especially when you get like hand trap and stuff like, yeah, playing a deer to a hand trap is good, but just the downsides of like, I'm giving up five extra deck spaces and I'm giving up five main deck spaces, even though three of them are fantastic. Um, and it inherently just doesn't make a hand that's one combo piece away better. Right. So, and what I mean when I say that it's like the future of Yu-Gi-Oh! So Nadir Servant is a car it's one of the first of its kind it has a lot of restrictions on it uh yeah. so when you play it you can't special summon out of your extra deck like after you you know use it and then you know it has all this other stuff going on but yeah. if they start to make cards like that that do not have that restriction right like that is where the game gets out of hand and you see like people using their extra deck as a resource with pot of prosperity and shit like that and oh, no, i love the idea of using it to send stuff for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like imagine that just being like, for example, uh, in Drytron, they play one of the best normal summons in the game ever. The Herald, yeah. the diviner yep. of the Herald. The, again, using your extra deck as a resource. Like that is that concept is so, so busted. Like just sending stuff from your extra deck. Like that, that concept by itself is just insane because yeah. a lot of extra deck monsters, they do things in the grave. Uh, and even if they don't, sometimes like it's just good enough to have them in the graveyard to begin with. There's a lot of effects you can activate if if you send from extra deck to graveyard. 
Like you could search super poly randomly. You know what I mean? Like there's there's so many cool things you can do. Yeah, that yeah, shit like that is busted. Wait, which which car searches super poly though? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> 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 It's just the way I said like, it. Right? Yeah, yeah. What? Anyway, what car search is super poly? Would you say what car does it though that does that? Uh, it's a Prada Plant Fusion. It's level seven. Chimera. Oh, yeah. It search uh, Fusion Destiny too. I think. Oh man, yeah. See, Do I... they have cards that interact with face down removed from play yet? Because I know, like, the first time I saw, I think it was Pot of Extravagance. There's an really? like, card that if you send it from your extra deck to the grave, you can do it. You can, uh, is, is the Prima Donna Synchro. You can banish it from your grave and it's like Omega for extra deck, but it, you can do it with face downs. Yeah, before Kenny, it used to just be Omega. He's like a extra deck Synchro. And every turn on a standby phase, he can put a card from the banish zone, like back into the deck every yeah. single turn. So he could so, interact with banish, like face down cards, but I guess they're making more of that type of thing now. Yeah, because the first time I saw, I want to say it was Pot of Extravagance. So that's the one where, like, you remove three, and you can draw one, remove six, draw two. Yeah, I think that is yeah. that, what that one does. The first time I saw it, I was like, that's just, that's just Pot of Greed, for real. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially, yeah, like, you should be you should be able to remove six things out of your extra deck and be fine. Yeah. Like, I love Maximus. Maximus is the reason I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again, too. Yeah, Maximus, but that's the Dogmatica card. Yeah, it's so good. It sends two. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it sends two. Is, it, is that the one that also touches your opponent's extra deck? Yeah, it does. Yeah, because I remember people saying that like, you can kind of get fucked on that if they are playing certain things. Uh, I think Tommy mentioned some kind of crazy-ass combo that could happen. You can, but like, there is a crazy combo that can happen, but I mean, who has room for that? Yeah, you know I mean? yeah exactly, because he said that it involved Macabre. Right. I think it was Macabre and Nova. Like Macabre thing. Yeah. It, the Alistair deck does play it, you're right. Uh, but, um, you know, it, I feel like you put out one monster that negate a card. Like, I yeah. hope that it was sending three cards and activating three effects that I can deal with your one. Kind yeah, of thing not only that, but the Alistair deck isn't as represented as other decks anyway. So, like, yeah. the other thing with solving these formats is, obviously you want to have the best deck, right? But then you also yeah. need to be aware of what matchups you just do not expect to play because you can't account for 10 different decks. Like, in this podcast alone, I've probably named 10 different decks that can all, like, technically be considered competitive, right? But, like, yeah. if I'm going to a YCS, I'm not building a side deck or a main deck for 10 different decks. I'm just not. I'll just say you better have it. If I play against this deck, oh, Put well. Put a different deck every round at the, at the virtual YCS. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you don't top an event. Um, I think Tommy said he played 9 or 10 Source Soul decks. So, like, wow. so that's what you want. Like, when we go to events... Yeah, that is what you want. Though. For anyone right. listening, when we go to events, like if you don't, if you're not a competitive player, or you want to be more competitive, or you want to understand how people top consistently, obviously, you know, we like skill, deck building, that type of thing. It all matters. But the other thing is like your tournament just needs to also go kind of correct. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit down and play against three. Um, what's the deck that plays a lot of traps and has zombie three thousand monster that everyone talks about like that. Yeah, the Eldritch deck, El- yeah. yeah, like I don't want to play against Eldritch for three rounds in a row. And if that if I get unlucky playing against Eldritch and like some other beat like B Trooper or some shit like randomly that just has a good matchup against my deck for some strange right. reason, or you just like they summon side thing you don't have droplets kind of thing, right? Because that if- right, like that can happen with the competitive, like the like Sorcerer yeah. can do that to you too. And it's just like that's like if those random decks happen for like two rounds, and then the you know the yeah. other thing. For one, that's it. Right, because I don't expect to win like every single mirror match. Like if I'm playing, if I'm going to a tournament, I'm playing Sorcerer. I expect to mirror match a lot. I also expect that I'm not going to win nine of them. Uh, yeah, it would it would be nice. And if your deck is if your deck is fucking broken in some way that the other Sorcerer decks are not, then sure. Like 
Absolutely. Win every single mirror match. Like you said, you won 11 0. So, and I also played uh, Dragon Rulers at that Nationals. I also play Emptiness and two copies of Emptiness in a main deck. I had mm-hmm. 10 mirror matches and I won nine of them. I actually lost one. Um, and I, yeah, I even got a feature match and a guy like, I forget he like some beret or something. And I just like OD'd on him in the feature match. But it's just like, you can't expect to win all of them, even with a competitive advantage, technically. So I yeah, always account. You don't have to. Exactly. I was about you to say. Lose twice in top, and then the top cut decks are probably way more. Exactly. Like, you don't even need to win every single match you play against. I kind of go into tournaments like expecting if I lose, it needs to be under these circumstances only. Like, I, I, I expect one loss to me bricking, right? Because you can't control that. And then wow. one loss to like, they just maybe nut hand at me, and that's it. Like, I shouldn't have any losses to myself where I misplayed, right? Like, I hate walking away from a table and thinking to myself, damn, I could have won that game. You know what I mean? Like, mm, even yeah, even yeah. though I prefer that, I prefer that over bricking or them God handing me because that's, you know, at least then, you know, I need to improve as a player of my technical skill. Um, but it's it's interesting when you go into a tournament, like you just have to accept some things are going to happen. You can't be like too mad about it. You just have to shake it off and be like, yep, I lost. He God handed me. He has Scythe. Yeah. I didn't have Droplets. I didn't have Chalice. It happened. You know, he you can be the best player in the world. But if the bracket shakes out where you just get fucked you get fucked yeah so you played a different deck every round with the remote ycs yeah yeah that's just annoying and uh (laughs) it's interesting too because so people who i guess make it to like let's say 3-0 now you're smooth sailing because i started 3-0 oh well fuck me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it didn't matter because like usually at least back in the day i don't know what's going on now i think there's too many decks now i really do i i cannot stop saying it but there are just too many but back in the day if you went 3-0 it's like okay now i'm out of the drags like probably good right yeah like now i'm gonna play against plants and agents every round and like that's what i i came here to play against plants and agents every single round uh if you lose the round one and you end up playing against burn and you're like i didn't decide a single thing for fucking chain burn because who's playing chamber you might actually randomly lose to the chain burn guy at the back tables Yep. Which has happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> that has literally happened to me before. Like it doesn't, it, you know what I mean? Like they, it, it could be any deck and it's just, it yeah. might as well. <laughs> yeah. I remember one game I lost to a guy playing gadgets and my friends were laughing at me like, yo, you lost the gadgets. And I think it was like 2013 or 14. And I, I was like, on top of gadgets. <laughs> oh Jesus, you're one of those. I, they were making fun of me like, oh, you lost the gadgets and like what years and stuff. And I was like, dog, he could have been playing Archfiend Soldier. Just vanilla yeah, nineteen hundred Archfiend Soldier beat down. He could have been like turn one some Archfiend Soldier, turn two some Mad Dog of Darkness, turn three some Gemini Elf, and like yeah. I would have lost all the same. Like the gadgets didn't they actually slowed him down, if anything. Like, <laughs> like for all that they did back in that time before like ex, you know, Xyz were really as crazy as they are. Um for all they did, it didn't really matter that they were gadgets. It was like that could have been a starter deck. Like that could have been a child yeah. with an actual starter deck. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you break, that's how it feels for sure. Yeah, you just sit there. Now the game's in so quick though. Like you don't even like that guy took a couple battle phases before he beat me, and like he probably ran into a mirror force or something. And but like now, like you brick now, and it's just like, well, he has like the whole field for the sword. The sword so deck is consistent as hell. Um, yeah, you know that. Going back, that's why I don't like Phantom Knights. I just feel like they play so many bricks too. Yeah, and I don't know how but you it, feel about. I feel like a lot of decks play more bricks than they probably should do. Yeah, what what cards do you consider bricks? Do you, like hand traps in general, like people play like fifteen. The hand traps I wouldn't consider like bricks, but I wouldn't necessarily play those for other reasons. But you know, like if you play, you know, Celestial and Dasher, those are two bricks. Uh, if you play um, 
Uh, I mean, that's two breaks that are that's in almost every deck. Every so that's, single deck. That's, yeah, and so yeah. that's that's like a problem inherently. Um, when you get to cards like Scythe, it's weird because like Scythe is not a break going first, but if if you go second with it, you're like, I, yeah. I don't know. Here's you know what I mean? Like, be able to do a bunch of stuff through their play and then make it good. So it's a lot less good. And so like, there's a handful of cards that are like broke bricks going second, but not going first. Um, I think Fogblade is another one of those um where like you know going first it's kind of fine but if i draw it yeah any card that i can search and that i want to search i consider it to be a brick so i don't want i don't want protos in my opening hand because i can search it like i don't there's just certain there's certain cards that like you just want to search every single time you never ever want to really draw them uh pretty much all of those are bricks i think um i think the other interesting thing silverman brought this up and i think this is really interesting is the idea of additional copies of cards being bricks. So a lot of deck lists, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you play like, like once next kind of yeah, thing. There's so many of yeah. them now. And pre- pretty much every Yu-Gi-Oh card in existence yeah. that's played competitively in 2021 has a once per turn hard, hard once per turn on it. And yeah, I'll say this is something that's been on my mind a lot more when I started playing again than it used to be because I don't think it, it, ma- it used to matter as much. Yeah, it matters a lot now. So I see people's hands. Everybody. Yeah, my, you know Drew. Like Drew was playing Drytron. Yeah. He swears by Drytron, and he started playing two copies of everything. I was like, "What the hell? Like, why'd you do that?" And like, you know, talking to Silverman, talking like between our group of how yeah. drawing multiple copies of pre-preparation of rights, drawing multiple copies of uh, Drytron Nova, or uh, multiple copies of Cyber Emergency, and all of these cards that like they're broken, right? Like they get your deck started, they get you to do the yeah. Alpha Zeta combo, and they do everything you want them to do, pot all of that stuff. But then once you resolve them, every additional copy of it is just a blank. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. And that's actually another reason why I ended up cutting the deer from that deck too. It was it was, it was three more once per turn effects too. Yeah, in a deck that already has quite a lot. Yeah, for sure. And you know, they they really don't print many cards anymore that aren't hard once per turn. So you know that I think that's something that we're gonna have to to deal with. But I also think it's weird because like you know, there's not necessarily like breaking is still a problem. Yes. In, in, Right. And so because it's still a problem, it's still a problem because there aren't necessarily enough starters to do it. So if you then cut the starters that you do have, you're going to increase the amount of breaks you have. And so, you know, I like to think that maybe there's a point like not too far in the future where like, you know, there's enough starters where breaking is, is not really that much of an issue anymore. Uh, but then maybe you could start playing like two copies of a card to get around the once per turn thing. And it, it, it doesn't become a, a different problem essentially. Right. But I think right now we're in a weird period where it's like, you know, you, bricking is still a problem. So if you cut three ofs, then it's like, it's going to be more of a problem. Yeah. Cause he's playing two of everything, which is interesting, but then you run into the problem of now I can't combo. Like I went first, I didn't draw a pre-prep or I didn't draw a cyber Nova or whatever, you know, whatever cards he plays, two of that used to be three of us. Your deck is less consistent theoretically. Um, so you, you change one problem to another, but there's always one right answer in every scenario. Like there's in Yu-Gi-Oh, there's, there's one correct thing to do. Um, and so I think you have to work to make those cards, not bricks too. You said that you think that there's what? I think you have to work to make those cards, not bricks too. Right. Like, like- I, I I don't like uh, just Celestial and Dasher as an engine for Phoenix Enforcer, for example, because if you play more, you can make drawing any of them not bad. If you play more, you can make drawing any of them not bad? Yeah, sure, because like you can't use any of them if you draw one of them and you're, you're only playing two because it has to go to the Phoenix Enforcer. Right. But you can still do things if you if you play additional ones. Right. And so like that'd be an example of like a way that you can make something that's right now a brick less of a brick. Yeah, it's interesting. I I have this infatuation with the card, uh, the Dragoon, the the guy who was running the game before DPE came out, 
And yeah. I was wondering if there was any deck that could possibly play both because this seems so interesting to me that such a powerful card like Dragoon. You could play it in and what? You could play it in uh you could play it in Despia. I was I was thinking about this the other day actually. You can um if you play King of the Swamp, what you can do is you can uh use the branded and white to banish uh the Alabaz from your grave and the King of Swamp and some of Dragoons and it's you could literally miracle fusion and it's like a searchable card. <laughs> oh see, that's broken. I really want to play a deck that can play both just because like in my head, that is first of all, DPE is like one of the best, you know, go first and go second cards, and then Dragoon is like the best go second card in all of Yu-Gi-Oh. Like that card literally ends the game like you yeah, fucking dude. lose like right now pop pop you take a bunch of damage they get your shit like everything about that card usually just screams game and it's it's searchable from your extra deck because of anaconda so it just comes out when you need it never when you don't uh, but then you have to play red eyes and dark magician which are awful so uh but you just name two cards that are not red eyes or dark magician <laughs> so it's yeah. like i don't want to play those <laughs> yeah no i, I totally understand that but I, yeah, I want to be right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, if you can find a way to crack that code, that might be, that might be broken. Like, I don't know if Dragoon is actually still. Um, with it, I, I don't know, like, there's a, with like a lot of the fusion cards, because one of the cards is Miracle Fusion, uh, like one of the branded cards. So you can like banish uh, to summon, uh, it's Miracle Fusion for like any level eight or lower, and it's like a fusion card. Um, so like, I was looking at like cool things that you can do with that. Um, so like there's a you know brandon high spirits is yeah yeah there's a card that you can send to the graveyard that counts as dark magician uh in the graveyard and so then you could summon that miracle fusion fusion and then banish the guy that you just sent to the graveyard and a dragon and be able to summon dragoons like that too hmm. so basically you've been finding ways to do it without having to include like these shitty cards I didn't I intend to. It just like I, I just saw that it was possible, but yeah, yeah. It's not even necessarily that like oh this is broken or anything. It's like just a way around it, and that's like the first step. Yeah, for sure. It's just to get around playing bricks because I hate playing bricks too. I was never a fan of playing Garnet back in the day. I just hated it. Uh, Fine with one. Yeah, like one is one is one is obviously fine. Like when people were just playing Gamma. And they play, you know, you have to play the driver with it. Uh, I was fine with that because it was just the one. And the back then, the deck was so broken. The Goki deck, it was so outrageously broken. Every card was a starter, essentially. Like, all, all of the monsters were starters. So it was basically, if you draw any two monsters, you can combo off. That's basically how that deck function. And, yep. and like, sometimes, like, Armageddon Knight by itself was a combo, all like, just because of Malicious is in your deck. And Greffer is a combo, like, one-card combo. So it had a lot of starters, which is exactly what you basically have been saying this whole time about how as long as you have a lot, of, a lot of starters, it doesn't really matter about the whole bricks thing. Like, you can play... Technically, you can play more bricks if your deck is, like, consistent with starters. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting. Like, the way the game has changed since the uh, the last time you played. Yeah, for sure. You know, the time is a big change, too. Oh, my God. That is... Before you go, like, that is one of the biggest changes. We should we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I, I have that, that's probably like the biggest thing that I came back and I'm just like, nah, I don't like this. I don't <laughs> I, like it and, for so many reasons, but go ahead. Kenny. Me and Fraser have talked about it a lot. Like every time we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh, Fraser talks about the time rules <laughs> and they just, I don't know, based on any competitive game I either followed or played, the way the time rules work in Yu-Gi-Oh right now do not make sense to me. Like I don't yeah, understand I mean, why that would have been the solution. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it should be at least to the end of turn. At the ver- like, if they wanted to be this drastic, it should not be the end of the phase because some decks are just they benefit from like, oh, I can burn you in main phase. Like yeah. the the shitty 
what's that deck called? PK. Like that deck can just like burn you and and gain life. It could do both. Sky Striker yeah. can gain life in main phase. Uh, I, I, believe- most, I think most best decks going forward will be able to. Yes, and I, and that's like a thing which I, I just I don't know. Like I noticed Sorcerer randomly burns you for twelve hundred now. Yeah. It just ran, like it randomly just does twelve hundred for no reason at all. Just does twelve hundred. So it's like yeah, like you can do the burn damage, which means there's a winner when they say that. Like when they say time, it's like oh well, this deck can just burn. And I don't like decks being favorite for being able to do burn damage. Like I just think that's such a stupid. So let me ask if you you know not that Konami would ever listen to anybody, but. If you could change the time rules, would you just change them back to the way they used to be? Or do you think there's a better version of calling time? And what do you think that would be? I don't know. It's hard because like time is it's only there out of necessity to close the event at a reasonable time. Like there's not a real reason that time is a thing other than that. And so, you know, it's hard. I feel like they're managing making the cards more powerful over time, which inherently like increases the number of decision trees that you have. Uh, with needing to close the event <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day. And so it, it's a hard problem to solve. But yeah, I mean, I, I do like the old time rules better. Maybe there is a better way. I, I don't know what it is, though. All right. Well, we're going to let Pat go. Pat has some of our obligations he has to get to. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I hope to have you back yeah, soon thank you guys. so we can continue thank this you, conversation. Um, but yeah, Pat, thank you so much. We are going to have you back at some point in 2022. And uh, hopefully we see you you know, doing what you used to do and dominate in the future. Um, you know, eventually you're going to strike gold with one of these crazy ideas and it's going to be, it's going yeah, to be another YCS to that list. <laughs> you know, I, I think technical play wise, like, you know, I, I know I said that it doesn't matter nearly as much as deck building and I don't think it does, but uh, you know, after not playing for four years, like I, I definitely had some things to learn, you know? Yes. And so I think I'm getting to the end of that phase where like, I, I think for the most part, I get it now. Yeah. Um, Man, that, it, it took a few months for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine knowing what to ne- negate for me is like the hard thing. Like there's so many, everyone sets up negates, every deck can do it. And when I watch people play games at my locals, like the, the average players, I watch yeah. them do things and I'm like, I don't know if he should have negated that. Like it's just like the first chance he got to negate something, he just negated it. And that's yeah, always one of those card was live. He played it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily correct. Cause then that person ends up breaking through and just like killing them basically. And I'm like, yeah. I, I feel like you used your, you mismanaged your resources as far like negates our resources. And it's just, you know, when to use them, but we can have that conversation another time because technical play, when you've been out of the game, definitely is a factor because there's so many car interactions that you just have never seen before. There's like sequencing and man, man, like, all right. So I played against the Salaman great deck at the, at the YCS. And I, I know I had a whole format, man. I sat down. That was the first time I ever read it. Yeah. Those never saw it before. So you already, you already fought. There's still things to learn for sure. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. I hate having to read cards and stuff. Also, like we didn't have to worry about where we put our cards. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> like where we put our cards never met. Like I could just put my Tengu like in the left call. It doesn't matter where I put reborn Tengu. Like it didn't, but now like, I hate like, links because of that alone. Yeah. Like drew, I was caught, like he made me play Drytron just to like play around. Um, and he was like, don't put that there. And I was like, uh, okay. Like that's <laughs> such a weird thing to like, <laughs> it's such a weird thing to be told. Like, don't put that there is, right. I don't know. I'm such a boomer, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, enjoy, see you. Enjoy, enjoy the rest yeah. of the night. All right. See you. Kenny. See you. All right, Kenny. So you and right. I. Well, we... <laughs> so listen, Patreon, if you're looking at this screen right now. <laughs> Speaking y'all of gotta Patreon, give me a second. So I while you, you know, fix the uh the video, I am going to give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. 
You do that. Yep. So we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garen, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tensley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Dominique Roberts, Giovanni Avalos, Game Freak Yoshi, Alex Flamer, and Michael Wisku. Uh, or yeah, I think I, I think I said that right. Mike, if I'm not saying your name right, you let me know. But uh, yeah, so those are our pages over at Patreon. Guys, thank you so much. As usual, as I always say, uh, I really, really, really love that we have people who are supporting the podcast and really enjoy the content. We have a Discord server where we talk all the time. Um, just about topics that we can talk about for the podcast and just other things too, the new Spider-Man movie, things that came out in 2021, um, all types of stuff, just a nerd, a nerd discord basically. So at our lowest tier, I believe it's $3 at our lowest tier, you get access to the discord. And then at the $10 range, you get access to all the Patreon exclusive content. Um, and then at the $20 tier, you get access to some other things well as well. So check out the I am Nerd podcast, Patreon, if you are interested in any of that. And then we also added a, our highest tier on Patreon is limited to one person, uh, but it allows the person to be a guest on the podcast once per month, as long as they're a patron. So that is our highest tier. Uh, only one person can actually buy it. So it's extremely exclusive. Uh, look into it. You know, if you're interested in that type of thing, if you wanted to, to maybe be a recurring guest on a podcast, we're open to that idea uh, as on a once per month type of basis. We do, I think, almost eight shows, not, in, not counting Patreon exclusive content, which is just a lot. We do yeah. two episodes a week. And there's like four weeks in a month. And then we do also a Patreon exclusive episode. Sometimes we do more. So, you know. Yes, sir. All right. But since we're still here, uh, we do have we some listener letters that we could read them. off. So one of them was on the Arcane slash Gaming as an Adult episode. So this comes from Austin Cruz. And he says, so I never got in a league in League of Legends. Uh, so, I, so I didn't even put this show on my list, but since you guys say it's pretty good and don't need to know the lore, I'll give it a shot. Alex's letter actually made me think of something as well. I've been in a gaming slump myself other than Yu-Gi-Oh! and Smash and haven't really been playing anything. Also, I miss being able to just binge games until the sun comes up like when I was a kid, but definitely can't do that anymore. Oh my God, that speaks to me on so Ooh. many levels. I really, really miss when we could just play and literally until the sun comes up. Like I couldn't put it better than that. It was so weird when... uh. You remember those days where, you know, you're just playing a game and then you're just playing all night and you don't even realize, but all of a sudden, like that sun's going through your window or something. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. The last time I did that was I took a week off of work to play like Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that's the only way I can really do that now is I take a week off of work to just play a game like Kingdom Hearts 3 when it came out. I did the same exact thing. I actually played that game for 26 hours straight before I rested. Um, But yeah, that I miss those days, too. Uh, The letter goes on to say. Uh, there's the series, there's the series games. I always get like monster hunter or dark pictures, anthology games, uh, great psychological horrors. I've noticed I've started playing a lot more single player games lately. A lot of it being work in my projects and also my friends I would typically play with are on all different MMO RPGs. And I would be so behind that the effort to catch up would be intense. I had a day mm-hmm. off that wasn't a locals day. So I actually got to binge a little that day. Ended up playing Ghost of Tsushima since I barely got started when I first got it. If you guys haven't played it, I strongly recommend it. I'm very much a heavy stealth person. Like I'm, if I'm given the option, I go stealth pretty much every time. This game does have stealth options. However, the combat of this game has been so enjoyable for me. I actually prefer to fight head on. I'm still stealth to kill any archers, but the sword fights are honestly so much fun. Uh, Have you guys ever played a game that did that where you basically completely changed the typical way you play because the combat stealth etc mechanics were just that enjoyable so, so i got a couple things to say one i feel your pain we talked you know the 
the time management. That's one of the... <clears throat> I have two huge issues. I won't go into them. But I have two huge issues that I think our school system needs to correct. One of them, uh, or not our school system, just like America in general, but I'm not going to go into both of them. But one of them is our school system. There's a lot of things I feel like we can improve upon our school system. And one of them is teaching people, I think, real-time management skills. I think they try to do it in a in like a roundabout way by giving you homework or something. Right. They don't make it clear and evident that this is what they're doing. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's done well. Basically, I feel as though most adults that I know in my life and most adults that I've come across on the internet do not have good time management skills, myself included. I have to like really buckle down and force myself uh, to really, you know, get it down. Um, and it, it's just tough. The time management aspect is tough. It's something that people just have to get better at. Uh, but if, if you can accomplish that, I think it'll make it so that you can play some more games um, in that a lot of time. But you, there's certain games that you're just going to have to accept that you're not going to play. For example, I will never play MMO ever again. Yes. Right. Like, I think that's I will that never play it. Yeah. Because we're always going to fall behind. Yeah. Like I will never play. A couple of my friends recently got back in the Maple Story. And they're telling, they're like, "Hey, man, play Maple Story, play Maple Story." And like, I love that game. I grew up playing that game, but I will never play that game ever again, or any other MMO. People want me to play FF14. I just don't. Or Genshin Impact, or whatever. Like, I do not have <laughs> Genshin Impact's a, a gotcha game, and I think that's that in itself is a reason why I wouldn't play it. But on top of that, it's an MMO. Like, I'm not. You just, I just do not have time to play that game, and they're just frustrating. Like, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to fall behind. You're not going to be able to keep up, and it's like. Man, fuck this shit. Yeah, I agree. I literally cannot. I don't have the time. I, I, I it's unfortunate. Um, or I guess in a in a way though, it's not even that bad that I don't have the time. Like I don't even mind really that. Like my life has gotten so busy because of this podcast, which I love doing, and yeah. I can't stress that enough. Like this is a passion project, and it's also something that I really want it to grow, and I want to reach a broader audience and everything. Like you know, we we say all the time. Like, this isn't just a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. We love our Yu-Gi-Oh! guests. We love the Yu-Gi-Oh! community. It's where both of us came from. But we also are... We 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 have interests outside of that, and that's why yeah. we spend so much time talking about so many different things. And I like that. I didn't... I couldn't find a podcast that catered to not only Yu-Gi-Oh!, but all the different things that Kenny and I both like, so we created it. Exactly. And that, that's, that's the shit. And that's the thing. Our podcast now, it keeps us busy. So, for example... Um, when a new movie comes out or a new show comes out or an old anime that we want to cover, like that adds to our business. So that's something that would normally just be free time, like all yep. playing a game or watching an anime. But now in an interesting way, we have to do that as part of our quote unquote job. Yep. But that's cool though. Like I I'll watch, yeah. I'll fucking binge Arcane in the night to do it. Exactly. Like, I binge Arcane. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to see the matrix this week and, uh, Kenny's going to watch the matrix as well. You know, it's going to be on HBO. It's going to be downloadable probably in other places. So we're going to do a podcast on that in January. At some point we have like, uh, Mushoku Tensei season two is ending real soon. Uh, attack on Titans coming back January 9th. Demon Slayer is currently airing. Yeah, gotta catch up on. Two. Gotta catch up on that. Uh, there's a definitely lot. Definitely, when season two ends, we'll definitely do a season two full app. Yeah, right. So whole, yeah, season two full full thing analysis on that. Um, you know, and I'm gonna. I haven't seen the latest episode of Demon Slayer, but like just keeping close with that, just because I don't want to have a crazy episode come up and then it's everywhere because that shit starts. Yeah, yeah. It starts trending at a point. Um, so I'm gonna keep close with that, and then if you know if something crazy happens, then we'll we'll talk about it on the podcast as it happens. Just to you know, get it out there. But yeah, we have to stay like the podcast is relevant. And that's one of the things I love about it is that it stays. We did our Spider-Man episode the weekend that Spider-Man came out. Yeah. I love yeah. that. 
I, and, a, and a lot of people listen to that episode. Like it's one of our biggest episodes already. And I, I really like the fact that, you know, like a lot of people went to go see it over the weekend. They went right and listened to the podcast right after. Like, I think that's, I think it's yeah. so fucking cool that it just came out. We did an episode on it and people listened to it. I was expecting it to be pretty low because maybe a lot of people didn't get to see it or whatever, but no, like there's a good amount of people who apparently went to go see the movie and they listened to the podcast. And that's, that's just cool to me. Yeah. That's legit on that, on that note. And yeah. And so with all of those things, I wasn't able to play MMOs. I just I swore off MMOs before I started doing the podcast. But now, like, I definitely am not like that decision's not going to get rescinded. Um, yeah. On that note, he said that most of the games he plays nowadays are single player games. Uh, I feel that too. Something that happens as you get like you once again, you just realize you don't have time. I don't have time to be good at every fucking multiplayer game there is. Like, it doesn't matter if I have all these different friends to play it. Like, I can't be good at three different shooters, four fighting games, yeah. a card game. Like, I can't be good at all these games. Yeah, we're not gamers uh, as our occupation, which, you know, like, if, if the podcast gets big enough that we could transition into something like that, but as of right now, we still got bills to pay. Yeah, so I feel that for the most part, in terms of multiplayer games, I'm I'm only, I'm mostly play party games in terms of multiplayer, like games that if I'm, ha- if I'm hanging out with a bunch of friends, we can just play this party game. Um, I'm not super interested in being super good at five different fighting games like i used to like i used to love being good at every fighting game like i owned every ps3 fighting game if on the ps3 a fighting game came out i owned it and i knew how to play every single one i can't do that anymore yeah yeah there's no way i I just yeah it's just a time thing but that's just part of getting older i guess like that's the it's so weird to me how it just changed i used to be i mean for more of my life than than not that was my life is being able to play games and binge watch like anime until mm-hmm. the sun came up or like do like leisurely time. And now these last, I want to say, I guess 10 years I've been working. So yeah, 10 years around 10 years I've been working out of college and stuff. And, uh, it's so interesting just how, you know, responsibility just keeps you busy in a different way. That is not necessarily, I mean, obviously everyone would probably rather do the things that they like to do or do the things that make you happy. But, uh, the reality mm-hmm. is that we all need money and, it just kind yeah. of it just kind of forces you into a world that you have to cope gets, with. It definitely gets in the way, but I definitely think if it makes you happy, if playing if they're playing different games makes you happy, definitely try to make time for it. But yeah. don't you know don't let it hinder your life. But yeah, MMOs think, hinder your life. That's that's what we're getting at. Don't fucking yeah, play MMOs. MMOs will hinder, hinder your life. fucking life. Yeah. I a hundred percent. Yeah, MMOs will hinder your fucking life. MMOs will hinder I, your fucking life. I will never co-sign an MMO ever again. I'm sorry. I got homies that love them, but like I can't co-sign them. And uh, yeah, I mean, you got to figure out what games you just can't make time for, right? Like that's the thing. If you play an MMO, you play one game. But if you don't play MMOs, then you can play. You can find time to play like six new games a year, right? Yeah. Like there's 12 months in a year. There's probably not 12 games that are going to come out in one year that you like. So. You can find time to play six or five games, like new games, if they're like single player games or whatever, uh, throughout a year. Like last year, we played what? Bravely Default, Monster Hunter. Yep. Um, I played God uh, of War. You played God of War. Yep. You played yeah, a bunch of yeah, I went through. Too. I went through Nier Automata. Um, so I, throughout the course of 2022, I played a good chunk of games. Yeah, Mario Party, um, which we all played recently too. Yep. A little bit of Smash Ultimate because Kazuya came out this year. Sora came out this year. Yeah. So yeah, it's a matter of figuring out the type of games or the or if it's not just video games, whatever it is your hobby is, figuring out the most, I guess, optimal way to enjoy your hobby. Uh because if you do an MMO, 
you're not going to you're going to enjoy just one small aspect of your hobby for example if it's video games and then on top of that MMOs are going to make you spend money right so now you're sinking you're going to be sinking more money into it and it it just gets bad i pray to god that capcom never releases a monster hunter mmo i pray to god that never happens oh no because kenny i'm gonna I'm be honest with you as much as we say mmos you're gonna break life, you're gonna, gonna i break. don't know if i have the self-control to not play a monster hunter mmo i just don't yeah. know if i had like if i'm That'd being be honest that would be a way for them to get me and i don't want to get got i know i i agree with you i you know something that's it's funny like a game like Fortnite or whatever right yeah. uh my little he doesn't really play it as much anymore, but he played so much Fortnite at a point in time. And then what you end up getting him for gifts, I never did this because I don't believe in it. But what different family members would they would just buy him V-Bucks for gifts. And it's weird because like Christmas is coming up and we're trying to figure out what to get him for Christmas. And it's like it's different than when I was a kid. I don't it's hard to figure out what to get this kid for Christmas because he doesn't really need, use anything tangible, right? He doesn't play with toys, he doesn't play multiple video games. So right. play like a video game and in that free video game you spend money to buy cosmetics and shit so it's like you can't really put that stuff under the tree you know what i mean yeah like, it's a lot harder to buy a kid things for christmas at least i feel as though at the moment just because you're right everything is like free to play and it's like all shit that you buy in the game and stuff so it's just weird that is interesting when you when you say it's not tangible things that you buy people anymore at least like the kids these days a lot of kids are interested in roblox or however you say it yeah yeah roblox um that shit is huge and i know that that's a microtransaction game it's yep, something it that kids will run their parents checking account up i've mm-hmm. heard crazy stories about he charged my car 200 dollars on roblox and i'm like what the fuck is that i don't even know what it is I know it's extremely yeah. popular. I know Fortnite is also very popular and they have a lot of transactions you can make in that game. I was caught by Pokemon Go back in the day and yeah. I spent a couple hundred dollars on that. That story is so funny to me. I love that story. I, yeah, I, before I realized that this is not it and I found that Reddit thread that told me how to get my all my money back Yeah, and I did it and I, I just, I realized right then because I have an addictive personality so I made sure that when I got out, I have not played Pokemon Go now a single time since I quit. Like when I quit yeah. back years ago, I have not because I know that dopamine rush I got from that game was intoxicating. So I know what it's like to be trapped by MMO, and that shit is dangerous. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it's it's fucked up. Um, it's weird because I don't even know. Yeah, like for for example, me, I remember some years in Christmas, like I would get like a Dragon Ball Z action figure. And I would get like a, a manga volume, like a like a Dragon Ball manga volume or a Bleach manga volume, right? Um, and stuff like that, just like some toys, a couple video games, uh, some figurines or whatever, and like some manga. But from what I've seen, you know, the old kids these days, but I don't really <laughs> see kids. I don't really see kids playing with toys like at all. From, yeah, from what I don't I've even seen, know what toys they would play cousins. with. Yeah, like none of my cousins, brothers, like none of them play with toys, and very rarely do they get new games. They just play like whatever the new free game that all the youtubers are playing is what they play and then they just spend money on that yeah it seems like uh i noticed this happened a while ago now but kids just have ipads and shit yeah kids just like i remember that was the standard thing that a kid would just have at, i'm talking about like four or five years old I, i've seen a lot of really really young children having ipads and mm-hmm. That was, I guess, the beginning of a new shift in the way, I guess, kids are giving gifts, like no no toys, just this iPad, but and they go on you gotta, YouTube. You got to get an iPad one time, like, what the fuck do you get them next year? Well, once you get on the iPad, then you keep buying things on the iPad, like like we talked about, Roblox, yeah. and all of those free-to-play games. Fortnite's on the iPad. One of my coworkers, yeah. she bought her son 
a hundred dollars in Fortnite worth of stuff. So I don't even know what that means, but like she blew that kid had the whole hidden leaf on his account. She is. Yeah, she she spent money on it. So I don't know. I guess like if a kid wanted, hey mom, buy a fighter pass and smash so I can get these characters and like I don't know. I really don't know what kids want these days. It, 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 we're so different. Uh, when we grew up, I, I had, okay, when I grew up, the toys that I liked were Power Ranger toys. So I had Megazords that you had to build. And yeah. that was really fun. I had Legos that obviously you also had to build. I was, I did a lot of busy work with that type of stuff. I put together a lot of Legos, Lego Star Wars. Um, I used to have Tyco, those remote control cars, like remote control little vehicles. And I would get a Tyco truck every single year. There was this one that it had wheels on both sides. So that way it can flip mm-hmm. back and forth and it can do this tornado thing. And it, like, no matter what side it was on. So when it flipped over, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like a triangle. Yeah. yeah. It had a wheel yeah. in the front of the triangle. Then it had two wheels in the back and it could, it could spin and do all this crazy. It was my favorite, yeah, my favorite thing. And then one day That's I, ran over I forgot about, but I forgot about that, but I definitely fucked with remote control cars heavy. Yes. I used to love them. We went outside and played them. Kids don't really do that anymore. They don't really go outside and play. They all have phones now too. Every kid yeah. has a smartphone. So like, you know, they're just like us. They're they're they are really young adults in every you know sense of the word because they have the same you know access. Frustrating to though. It's frustrating because I don't I don't look like, my my brother for he wants he's ten and he wants a, a cell phone for Christmas and I told his mom I was like you're not getting him a cell phone. But what's fucked up is all of his friends have cell phones. I'm like he doesn't need a cell phone. Like I what yeah, do you need? What are you going to pay? Because you buy a cell phone now you got now you're just making. Your monthly bill more expensive. Like that's not a Christmas present that you buy one time. I got to pay for that every month. Yeah, that isn't that isn't every month thing. Also, it's scary. I was listening to another podcast and uh, it's a, it was a woman talking about how her daughter, who's also ten, has Instagram now, and she said that you can only have this Instagram if I can monitor everything that's on it. The page has to be set to private. Any DMs you get, I have to be able to look at them and stuff like that. You know, just to like try to try to control it. The thing is, yeah. she immediately went on to say. Uh, this girl has taken her page off private. Um, she's been taking selfies and my wigs. She's like, she looks older. Like when I look at her picture, she looks older and she looks like she's my daughter. She looks older to me on Instagram than she actually is. She's like, I don't like this shit. And I don't know how to approach it. Like, do I just take it from her? Do I just like tell her that she's banned from using Instagram? Do I take the whole phone? Do I punish her? She's like, I don't know what to do. This is, we're in a unique generation where we're the first to see kids with social media at like 10 because if, if your little brother yeah. gets a, a, a phone that's what's going to happen he's going to have an instagram and he's going to have a facebook and he's going to have uh tumblr and well i guess not tumblr but snapchat and all he's going to have everything that me and you have access to that's that's just that's just what's yeah, yeah. going to happen because even if your mom forbids it we know how we were as kids we don't listen he's going to do what he wants to do his yeah. friends are going to say it's not even hard to break the rules on a cell phone no it's like, not me she she can't literally be around all the time when Jaden's in his yeah. room and he's just chilling and his friend sent him some crazy shit on Twitter. Like he clicks it and now he's seeing it. And like what, you know, Twitter is wild. Like I, I can't even open my Twitter in public because it's that bad. I, I can't open my Twitter. No yeah. It's just, and I just think about a kid having access to the same information that I have access to at my big age. You know, I don't want a 10 year old seeing the stuff that you can just see on the internet. But once you have a phone, it's such a powerful device. And I think that people understate that. I don't think people realize like an iPhone, having an iPhone 13 is a huge responsibility. And and it's just frustrating because everybody gets all their kids an iPad and an iPhone. And it's frustrating when you're the one that's like saying no. Yeah, because you look like the bad mom now. Yeah. And it, but what you said is true. People don't understand how powerful these devices are and what they really do. Like when you go on Facebook and you see somebody, all of their pictures are pictures of their kids. Like you're putting 
pictures of your kids on the internet, like everybody, like once it's on the internet, like I think people forgot that the internet is the internet is forever. Like yeah. growing up, everybody <laughs> knew the internet was forever, but it's become so accessible that people forgot that the internet is forever. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff coming out um, where kids send nudes and that is really messed up because one, it's illegal, but they don't know that. And they don't, you yeah. know, and, and, even, and even if they did, even if a kid knew, they don't understand consequences. That's the, that's what a kid is. Yeah. They, a kid is a human being who doesn't understand consequences. So, you know, they do these things. They don't realize you can't record certain things. You can't send pictures of certain things and they do it anyway. And they cyber bully each other. And that shit is forever. It's never going away. Um, really, really scary stuff. I, I would, if I had a child in 2021 and they were 10 years old or whatever, seven, eight, uh, whenever, the, whenever the conversation comes up, I don't even know how I would approach the yeah. phone thing because I just, I would not want my kid to have one, but at the same time, I don't know if I would want to hold them back from the reality of the world. It's such a hard, it's such yeah. a hard topic, but I think I lean to more, I lean more towards what you said, like. They just should not have a phone. I just, I don't know. They should just not have a phone at that age. Not a phone, not a smartphone. Like I'm, I'm fine with you having a phone that can play snake, like a flip phone, Nokia type thing. Like that's fine. But as far as you having a phone that has YouTube and Twitter and you can access literally anything you want. I don't know how I feel about like, well, I do know how I feel about that. I don't want my, I wouldn't want my kid to have it. Personally. It's also bad. It's, it's not even, I don't even think, right. Cause it's always like, oh, like you're being a boomer, right? It's always when you get older, People try to like go against things that are for the younger people or whatever. But right. in this instance, I don't think it is because social media is bad for adults. It is like it's not like it's good. It's not good for adults. So we like, have I think that this is the generation of mental health issues uh, in general. A lot of people are very, very depressed or just suffer from mental illness. And, uh, and, and, and it can a lot of it can be attributed to social media and just the Internet, because one, comparing your life to other people. Right. That makes people depressed because people constantly say to themselves, I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I want to be. And they go online and they keep scrolling and you keep seeing people who are where you want to be and where you think you should be. And and, and to be fair, 80 percent of them aren't actually where they're pretending to be. Exactly. I was going to say that. That's the other thing. You're comparing yourself to someone's highlight reel and to someone's highlight reel. That's probably not even real. Yeah. Double entendre. Don't even ask me how. <laughs> but like it's interesting it's an interesting conversation right like you go on the internet and you're just seeing no one really posts their bad shit it's very rare you see people post their own bad shit you just constantly see whatever they real. do it's like an excerpt it's like one bad thing and even that bad thing is used to get likes it's like yeah it, you know what i mean like one bad day but yeah. they'll structure it in a way where it's like it's still it garnering generates- attention and dopamine rushes yeah. for them and everything like that like yeah i i I totally think it's interesting that, uh, you know, obviously mental illness has existed always, but I think that with the internet being as prevalent as it is in in today's day and age, it has definitely fostered a new generation of people who just suffer from it way more than they ever did. And also the other thing, and so I was just talking about life comparison, which is one reason for it. But the other thing that happens is we see brutality like no other now. Yeah. I have never seen more humans, real life humans be killed on my screen than I have before the smartphone. Yeah. Like, like now when I'm just scrolling, I see a person probably getting killed every day. Like literally if I scroll Instagram every single day, I scroll more than me. Yeah. I I follow like a lot of pay, like a lot of Philly pages, you know, Philly just broke their record for most murderers ever this year. Uh, over. Yeah. yeah, I think it was in, in sometime in mid November. I want to say they hit five Oh one. At this point, they're probably 
inching towards 600. So that being said, a lot of times when I'm scrolling, because there's only 365 days in a year, right? And we're yeah. over 500 murders. A lot of times when I'm scrolling and I follow these Philly pages, which I should probably just unfollow them, but I like to be in to know of what areas are being affected just for my own safety. Yeah, um, yeah. But like a lot of these pages that I follow will just show people being shot, people being killed, and you have stuff that going. And then it's not even just Philly. It's all around the world. You have the police brutality stuff. You have riots and stuff. And it's just, it's a lot. There's a lot of death. Um, you see stuff about COVID and that's killing people and all the other random things that kill people. Apparently there's a fentanyl is like the number one killer of people in 2021. Yeah, that's more, true. More humans died of fentanyl than anything else in 2020, which is wild. Fentanyl, fentanyl's the new crack. It's crazy. The new crack but it, epidemic. But it just kills you instead of because crackheads yeah. survive for a long ass time. Like a crackhead. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> crackheads like, are like Superman. Yeah, yeah, like I, I have a few of my family and they are still kicking. You know, like they're gonna be the last of a dying breed, but the fact is they're still alive. Yeah. And fentanyl, you're you're just dead. But I see a lot of death and I have to imagine even someone who is, I, I consider myself to be mentally sound. I'm a very strong person mentally, but I have to imagine that seeing so much of this on my timeline all the time has some effect on me, whether I realize yeah, it or not. It can, be, it can like great, great on you. I can, sure. tell, I can tell you one thing. I am desensitized to mass shootings for sure. Yeah, well, that's just part of being an American, unfortunately. You're just uh, like, an, oh, an, well. An American who consumes the news and social media. Yeah specifically and that's what i mean like the phone thing like your brother will start to see mass shootings all the time because they happen all the time still i mean even yeah. even with the pandemic like they slowed down a lot obviously because of the pandemic but they're back they've been back this year and he will start to consume that type of media as well it won't just be like my, my biggest fear is always like i hate the idea of kids being exposed to sexual things on the internet because a lot of like when i scroll i take it for granted i just kind of see like oh there's just someone's ass out or like some girl twerking, yeah, or like, yeah. you know, even our celebrities like Meg Thee Stallion or whatever, like they're just doing what they want. And like, you know, whoever little Nas X, like they you might, and me, it's like normal. It's like, yeah. Oh, whatever. It's whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking grown ass man. I can see it and I don't care about it or I, you know, I do whatever. But when it comes to a kid, I, I hate the idea of them being exposed to that. I hate the idea of them growing up too fast, but that's only like one thing. The, the other thing is them being exposed to violence. And then I don't know how that affects a kid really being exposed to that level of violence because on one hand, yes, I did used to play Grand Theft Auto as a kid, right? I played Grand Theft Auto and they tried to blame violence and mass shootings on that, even though I just don't think those two things correlate to each other. But it definitely can have an effect on you. When you're seeing real life, though, real life people being yeah, shot. between GTA 3. Yes, because that's what it was. People. Specifically, that's the exact game. It was GTA 3 and GTA San Andreas. It's the difference between playing a game. Like my, my mind was able to separate a video game from real life. But then when you're going yeah. on Instagram and you see, well, that's that guy just got shot and killed. <laughs> like that's real life or real for real. Yeah. Um, Another so, thing, what you mentioned, everything you mentioned all has to do with just like scrolling and stuff like that. And that's the other pseudo intangible part of it is that our phones, our phones make it so that we can waste so much time. Oh yeah. Like you can just waste time. Like i <laughs> like it, it's so much easier to get up and like force yourself to do something when you don't have a phone to waste three hours. Yes. You know what so I, mean? like, I agree. Cause I'm a victim of the phone thing. I mean, I wake up every day and I pretty much start scrolling Instagram or Facebook immediately. Yeah. It's one you of the first so things I do. More time if you don't like, it's crazy how much, how much more you could get done if you just uninstall all those apps. Yep. It's uh, interesting because the podcast, like having this podcast has actually got me to be more productive in my life as yeah. far as as far as making sure that i stay relevant on things that are going on in the nerd world yeah, uh, yeah. I, like i have to so 
that gets me into a mindset of, okay, I can scroll social media, but I also need to be really cognizant of how long I'm doing it because I have to make sure that I spend time to watch Cabo Bebop and I have yep. to spend time to watch Odd Taxi and, you know, Death Note and stuff like that. So I, I think it, I'm on like episode six of that. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, I'm, the, I'm only, like, and as a side note, I know it's already said before, I, I, I like it, but like, I really like it. Oh, wow. And I yeah. know someone said that it was their favorite anime that came out this year. So one of them. Yeah. So, it, I mean, Gary said it was good as well. I'm definitely going to check it out during my break. I have 11 days off. I cannot wait. I'm, actually, tomorrow's my last day of work for the next, after that, 11 days straight of no work. So yeah. I am really excited because I'm going to be able to do things like stay up until 4 a.m. Like the listener letter talked about, like Austin's listener letter. I'll be able to stay up until the sun comes up or whenever the sun comes up nowadays. Um, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. Are there other, we, we went off on a tangent. Are yeah, there we any did. other letters? I think there are. I don't remember. No, I, I know think... I saw, I, know, I remember reading, thought I remember looking at some. I don't remember. So I, I created a folder in our, uh, I am their podcast Gmail called listener letters. So now if you go on uh, Gmail, it's on a, uh, it's like on the side where all the other tabs are. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think Austin wrote in the last two, and his other ones was about Cowboy Bebop. It just says, "So it's been a mis- it's been a minute since I've seen the show, and still need to see the Netflix adaptation. I've started watching the anime again to refresh, and it's vastly different watching it now. Definitely forgot how dark the show was. Don't have much else to say since I'm refreshing my memory on the show. So this was just kind of like a statement. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I'm yeah. watching Cowboy Bebop again. It's way different than I remember because I was a kid when I first watched it. Now I'm an adult." And it's darker than I remember. So just kind of like a statement thing. Um, but that was the only other one that we had uh, that we will read out loud on the show. But uh, yeah, if you guys have any listeners that you want us to read or discuss like we just did, we go off on tangents regardless. But we we definitely will address them right into I'm their podcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, I think we can wrap this episode up. This is episode 41 of the I'm their podcast featuring special guest Patrick Hoban, one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh players of all time. So glad he could join us. I have some other special guests lined up. I see you know Patrick Hoban's the goat. He was like, I ain't got time for the whole for two hours. All right, y'all got an hour and a mile there. That man is a, he's very busy. He has his own company and he's trying to break Yu-Gi-Oh at the same time. So I'm sure that adding Yu-Gi-Oh to his plate has created a load of time. Just you know, add add a time on his plate. Um, Hell yeah! I'm excited is, to see what he does. Me too. I'm actually genuinely excited to see how he how he performs. I. I've told my friends, a lot of people want me to start playing Yu-Gi-Oh again. I understand. But my biggest issue is not really the game. Like, I think the game has a lot of problems. And that is a big reason why I do not want to play it. But the real reason why I just feel like I can't play it is because of time. It's yeah, doing- it's, it's, it's an MMO. It's a, it's a competitive game. It's a-, it's a very, very time-consuming game. I cannot stress that enough, especially at my level. I don't want to play at a casual level. I don't want to just go to locals and win my locals. I want to go to every YCS. I want to perform well at every single event. And in order to do that, you have to put in a lot of time. You're not going to do well if you just half-ass it. And I don't believe in half-assing anything that I'm competitive in. So therefore, I have not started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again for that very reason, because I don't want to half-ass it and then make a joke or embarrass myself uh, trying to come back into a game and just not being good at it. So I I don't want to do that to myself. Especially if we agree that deck building is the most important part, right? What that yeah. means is that studying is the most important part. You got to know what every single card that's out does, yep. and you got to be able to look at all those cards and figure out how to put a puzzle together that nobody else put together yet. Exactly. So, all right. Well, this wraps this episode up. As I always say, do the things that make you happy. And I, uh, I say something at the end, like at the end of the episode, like I'll say something, and then like it'll be profound. Boy, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right.